Bonjour, good day, and welcome to the next episode of Thought Architecture. So today's episode goes into this uh, very, very interesting kind of area, which is what goes on between your two ears, you know, the beliefs that happen there and the cycle of overconfidence that usually plague all the time. So the very simple point is that we've got um, a, an opposition of forces of reality versus belief. And there's two ways to kind of go about this, which is number one, it's a seasonal thing. The older that we get, the more we can align reality with what we believe. The younger we are, the more our beliefs kind of override reality. So think about the, when you first fell in love and what you believed about your feelings, what you believed about how love was and how distorted that was from reality. Now, as you get older, those distortions, those th thought distortion or beliefs distortions, if you want to call them that, the, the more they go away because you actually align yourself with reality. Whereas if we maintain these distortions, but we actually just shift our beliefs like, well, true love does exist, but I don't deserve it. These distortions can actually like have major negative impacts on ourselves. So it's about examining beliefs. Yes, this is true. And trying to align those beliefs with reality. A better way to say it would actually be to look at reality void of beliefs and create beliefs after the fact. Now, of course, this is impossible to do because as we grow up, we create beliefs around how we've experienced the world. So it should be something that's done around the age of, let's say, 30, where we start re-examining beliefs and re-examining reality and making and, and choosing really our beliefs about reality as well based on the evidence that we see. Um, but again, this, this is a very cold and laboratory um, kind of setting for it. So what might be a better option is to then go and take a look at whichever situations come up that then trigger um, some kind of conflict within us and re-examining our beliefs there. And then, you know, spending some time thinking about reality. And this kind of like if need kind of basis is usually the best way to go ahead with this type of stuff where we, we tend to spend appropriate amount of time on the various parts that, that these, uh, these beliefs need to be adjusted to. So with that, we can then uh, reference the two points that I'm going to reference in this are going to be Adam Grant wrote a book, Think Again. And then the University of Connecticut actually did um, research into this. They call it the, uh, the cycle of self-regulation. And it's very interesting. And the, the, the points to talk about are very simple. The, oh, sorry, not the cycle, the phases of self-regulation. Uh, but the points to talk about that we'll get into is very simply put that um, Adam, Grant, Adam Grant's Think Again, and I'll, I'll put a little video summarizing the book, but of course, you know, go and read the book, go and get some of the ideas. Um, the point that he talks about is people get into this overconfidence loop. Why? Well, we form an opinion based on something, whatever it is. We reaffirm that opinion. We then discuss it with others. We validate that opinion. And when that opinion is validated, we feel like a sense of pride. Sometimes, if it's not validated, we'll hold on until we achieve that validation to feel that final payoff. So people desperate to hold on to ideas will actually then find each other, validate each other's ideas, and then pat each other on the back. And it's this idea of just, again, feeling valuable. 
So we really need to tend to these gardens of emotionally and socially. How are you valuable and how do you perceive yourself to be valuable? So people, even if they're not valuable, but they perceive themselves to be valuable to others, have an increased amount of agency or sovereignty. Um, and that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. It'll change how they behave, you know, in public. It'll, you know, it changes so much, so much. So these feedback loops, this um, we bring into um, the cycle of thinking that Adam Grant proposes is approaching everything with a, a, a type of confidence and humility, a type of like um, curiosity, basically that, that beginner's mindset, if you will. Um, there is a point to think about, which is if you are validated, if you feel valuable, then you are happy to take criticism and you are happy to take feedback. So it's very much saying that if you don't want your brain to trick you, if you want your beliefs and your reality to align, then the simple point is that you need to be comfortable with your feelings of value. So again, it comes down to, can you heal your trauma about feeling unwanted, unloved? Um, you know, And what are the mechanisms in society that help us to feel these ways so that we can get over that point, see that we are valuable people and therefore not be victim to our cognitive biases? So a quick example for you, which is quite interesting. Most people, and this is a very typical belief, that the, the version of themselves within themselves is the true version of themselves. And it's actually not true. For you to experience the true version of yourself, you actually have to be outside yourself. Um, and this is truly what I believe. There is a version of you which is within so just because you experience it most of the time, it doesn't actually mean it's the, the version of yourself that interacts with the world. And again, we come back to this idea of like, it's not who I am, but what I do that defines me. Yes, thank you, Christian Bale, Batman. Um, you know, that's, that's one argument in philosophy that you can go into. But my point is like a very simple issue that I come across with language learning is, you know, very much people don't like their own accents. Um, and just like with anyone, most people don't like hearing their own voice that's on a recording, podcast perhaps, or even, um, you know, if they catch themselves in a video, they're like, wow, do I really sound like that? Ugh. There is a distortion, obviously, because of the recording device, but largely the answer is yes, you are not going to hear yourself accurately because, you know, we have um, uh, four voices within us i wanted to say three but really i can argue four we have four voices within ourselves the first of which is going to be just a, a phonetic loop of a voice that we've heard outside so for example you can hear your mother or your father telling you in their particular tone of voice in their particular way to stop doing something or to do something do your homework stop doing this do that you could probably play that on repeat you've got a recording of that and so that is uh, a version of the voice that's in our head. We can have voices in our head of other people that we've just heard so many times that they're reinforced into our head. Okay, is that the real you just because it's inside you? No, the answer is no. That's a part that influences another part. Great. The second part is that you have your own voice in your head as well, right? Your own voice, like if you can imagine yourself talking to someone, can you imagine the audio? And that audio is going to be trained by the voice that you hear in reality. Now, the voice that you hear in reality is now, um, first of all, we're going outside your head. This is the first time. So two of the voices that I'm talking about are inside your head, 
right? And two of the voices are outside your head. And what do I mean by this? The third voice, or the first voice that's outside your head, is going to be the voice that you hear when you speak. Now, if you think about this logically, your vocal cords, you know, create sound by passing air over cords that create a vibration. Right. Fantastic. Your ear takes in sound waves and translates them into vibrations. So, what we're talking about is we are putting the center of speech and the parts of you that can hear right next to each other and basing both mechanisms on vibration and not expecting an interaction. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Of course they're going to interact. So the voice that you hear in your, uh, in your ears when you speak is a lot deeper than you would imagine. It's going to be um, a lot more distorted than you would imagine. So the fourth voice is the voice that others hear of you. And this is obviously um, your voice as it projects out of your mouth and they pick up those sound waves without the influence of vibration. So the idea is that the voice that others hear of you is actually what you consider to be your true voice. And it's also the voice that um, creates beliefs about you in others' minds. So in a way, it's probably the only voice that you don't get to hear without some kind of mechanism feeding back to you. So for you to record yourself, you create a feedback loop. And the easiest way to adjust things, so again, we come back to University of Connecticut, the National Research Center on the Gifted and the Talented, conducted uh, studies and put forth this, this idea called the phases of self-regulation. Three phases. Number one is obviously the forethought, the pre-action. And this comes back to the learning formula. You know, uh, go back and check out the previous episodes on the learning formula. But the idea is, what do you do before? And then there's performance control, and then there's self-reflection. And literally f- putting in these feedback loops is one of the biggest things that you can do for yourself. Um, and so in this regard, like what is your true nature? Your true nature is usually the, the, the collection of all of them. But a lot of people will discount the the social aspect or rather the externally projected version of yourself that you put out there um a lot of people will say oh that's not who i am that's just who you experienced me to be in that one moment in one time or whatever but i would argue that that's still a large part of you because that's actually what 99 percent of people out there are going to pick up of you so there are all these concepts to kind of struggle with and the faster that we can create feedback loops in our lives, the faster we can actually align beliefs with reality. So if the belief around ourselves is that we speak with a great voice and then we hear ourselves um, speaking on camera and it's not like this perfect voice that we had imagined, like perhaps we think we sound like Morgan Freeman or something like that, <laughs> you know, um, I'm not at all relating what I think, but uh, <laughs> The, the very simple concept is the more you expose yourself to your own sounds, the more comf- comfortable you can become with it as well. You know, we often find our own uh, face more appealing than others because we see it all the time as well. So we start to appreciate parts of our face or, um, or not, or not, you know, like there could be like a very negative belief cycle in there as well. But the point is, is that because we're exposed to something on a regular basis, it gives us an opportunity to change it as well. And so if you want to change with beliefs, if you want to align reality with beliefs, expose yourself to it 
on a more regular basis. So that's this idea of feedback loops. And there is one other thing that I wanted to mention, which was um, a great video I watched on, um, you know, Elon Musk's two, well, I say two companies. It's obviously one company at the moment that's going to be split into two entities, which is SpaceX and Starlink. So if you don't know what that is, that's fine. You don't need to for the purpose of this conversation, but go check out the video anyway. But it's very simple. How does Elon Musk and and this company, SpaceX, move so fast? They've accomplished in months what others do in years. So how is this possible? And the very simple point that they work on is getting a minimum viable product, a minimum working product, and run it run it, get the feedback from it, create iteration number two, run it again, create iteration number three, run it again, you know, and whatever is serving that process to allow us to get data is better than trying to design the perfect version. So an example that was in the video was that Elon Musk was experimenting with carbon fiber, but it was just taking so long to produce that he said, you know, like, fuck it, let's go for steel. And they actually produced a rocket out of steel. Why? Because it was easier to produce. They already had the machinery to manipulate it as well. Yes, it was heavier, but it meant that they could actually gather feedback and data. So obviously there's a sweet spot to go for with regard to this. But the idea that they actually aimed at getting different iterations was important. The fact that there weren't handoffs between projects as well meant that the original team could see a particular project through to the end. That was very important for speed as well. So if you want to adapt to something incredibly fast, it's creating multiple iterations and going in over and over and over again. And that's quite important because a lot of us feel that if we create something, it needs to be perfect. We've got to put it out. It's got to be 100%. So the last point to touch on on this idea of reality versus uh, beliefs is to talk about how we train these beliefs, especially around perfection, especially around attempts, that somehow if you don't give it 100% or it is 100% perfect, then somehow we have failed. Like it's not worth doing unless it's worth done, uh, doing in this kind of manner. And that's not what measures up with reality. So in school, if we put forth a project that gets us our minimum marks, Parents will be upset, teachers will push us, shame us perhaps, you know, um, versus creating, you know, like asking us to create three different iterations of the same project. And likewise, parents expecting, you know, students and teachers expecting students to give 100% all the time as well. I mean, no wonder kids feel so stressed in schools and they burn out, you know, but to expect 0% of your kids as well bigger problem but to teach your kids to be able to moderate their own energy so it's again it comes down to energy management so there's this very important point to stress which is this idea that teach your kids to pass on 50 percent of their energy and teach your kids to choose what they want to put 100 percent of their energy into teach your kids to take days off if they really feel like they need it if they're burning out i'm a huge believer in this type of stuff so recently um you know i've helped prepare a kid to take the middle school placement tests and you know she was doing fantastic and you know this was a point of pride for her and she worked on it with me and was honest about well no I didn't do homework well why not well you know I just had a lot of work to do and uh you know priorities 
And I totally get it. And she goofs off as well. You know, she does things like go and play with her friends and then like doesn't manage to do the work. But the fact is, is that she's achieving results. And that's great. Congratulations for her. And it's not just that, but she's also enjoying what she achieves. Now, there's one more belief to reality incongruency that we can challenge, which is the idea that we can be successful alone. And I think that's one of the biggest things that schools don't teach. They get you to do team teamwork, team projects, but very seldom do they actually focus on those team projects as being the things that can make or break uh, a business, a person in their career. You know, it's treated as kind of like a side thing. Oh, it's nice to have, but you know what? Your marks don't really count in comparison with your exam results. So any school that emphasizes that group work, group think, uh, I'm a huge believer in because being able to work together as humans is a much bigger deal. So that's it. The question I think I'll propose to you for today is really like, in what ways do your beliefs, uh, your beliefs actually come up against and crash against reality? And how can we examine those, those particular beliefs? How can we examine what's out there in reality and therefore go out and test and create different iterations so we can align beliefs with reality? So if you believe that you have, um, you know, a hundred million dollar business plan or idea, well, go out there and create an iteration of it that allows you to get as much feedback as possible. If the feedback is positive, great. Take it, run with it, create iteration number two, iteration number three, iteration number four. At some point in time, someone's going to start paying attention to you and then you're going to be able to collaborate and create iteration five, six, which is like miles ahead of what iteration was, one was. But if you believe that the first business that you open will be it, the be-all and end-all idea, good luck. You're going to be super stressed out, and you know what? Like Maybe it's going to be successful, but that is not the general pattern of reality. So if you're willing to give your life to it, then sure, it could work. And it's a long shot and there's luck involved. But the more iterations you can take, the more you can adjust your feedback to reality and the more you can align your reality with the beliefs, the faster you will achieve success. And that's what a lot of the data shows. So it's very interesting to talk about these points. Anyway, so my question for you is, um, what are the emotional things that, uh, tend to be beliefs that you have that create pain, frustration in you. Those are the flags on the sand, the X marks the spot. There is buried treasure there for you to uncover and enrich yourself with. Do not run away from these things. You know, it's all good for you to have like feel good days and go do some yoga in the park and some breathing and stuff like that to balance yourself. But you are still poor for not having dug up that treasure. And that's me. Yes. So if you want to find more of me, I've got some things in the pipeline. Um, I'm committing to um, some content production and some assistance. But really, you can find me. Uh, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, perhaps I don't post there as often as I should. Perhaps I should get back into posting. But you know what? I enjoy interacting with people on Instagram. You know, send me a message. Tell me what you thought. Um, I might start actually posting these a little bit more publicly because uh, I think... I think a lot of the response that I've gotten from you guys has been very positive. So I really think let's take it to the next level. If you've got any subjects that you'd like to hear uh, thoughts on, you know, let me know because I will gladly add them in. I've got like a list of 20 topics to still go through, but you know, as and when, and to be honest with you, I, I follow the muse, whatever I'm entertained with at the, at the moment or on the day. That's what I, that's what I typically produce. So if this 
sparked some joy in you, some kind of like curiosity, send it to someone, uh, share it with them, share it over a cup of coffee, have a good discussion around it. Um, and you know what, if you liked it, you know, share it because um, I would appreciate you helping this to grow a little bit more. But uh, otherwise, don't stress. I'm going to still be making more anyway. I love you all. I hope you have a wonderful week. And uh, as always, I'll try and put these out every single Monday. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you next week. Ciao, ciao.